Hey folks, this is Jen Hilton and welcome to this episode of Recruiting and Hiring Made Easy. I'm so glad you could join me because today is a really special episode. Today I am talking with Mike Press and he works with the Judge Group, which is a very well-established recruiting agency. And over the years, I have talked on this podcast about what happened when I was recruiting, but sometimes it's helpful to talk to somebody currently in the field, working every day, day to day in recruiting. And let me just tell you a little bit about Mike before we get into the episode, because I tell you, this is some really good information. So if you've ever thought about working with a recruiter, maybe you're currently working with one, or you're just not sure either way, this episode will help answer a lot of your questions. So let's get into it. Mike Press is a 15-year veteran of the staffing industry, all of which he has spent at the Judge Group based in Wayne, Pennsylvania. He started his career as an IT recruiter in July of 2007 and was promoted to a recruiting manager after only 18 months. He has since moved into the role of Senior VP of Recruiter Operations and Performance for the Judge Group, and he currently manages over 80 recruiters in Judge Healthcare, which is where he runs delivery for the entire division. Mike is a graduate of Drexel University in Philadelphia, where he achieved a Bachelor of Science in Computer Information Systems. He is a native of Riverside, New Jersey, and currently resides in the King of Prussia, uh, Pennsylvania area. He strives to learn everything he can about the staffing industry and to impart that knowledge to recruiters to help them achieve the highest levels of success. So I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get straight into it. What does your typical day as a recruiter look like? So typical day as a recruiter and where for us is we have a morning meeting every day where all the recruiters in the, in the business, every business unit has their own meeting. So mm-hmm. you have a recruiter, the recruiters are on there with the director of their team or the recruiting VP, usually both, and then the sales team. So the sales team goes through each requirement and they talk about what's hot, what's not. Has anything changed in the last 24 hours as far as, you know, is the job still open? Do we have any candidates interviewing? Did we get any updates or feedback, et cetera? And what we push is before that call, we, we like people to get in early around eight and we like people to follow up from their day before. And then we like them to start making a few phone calls because we found that it's best to get people on the phone before work, on the way to work, during lunch or after work. So that's one of our prime times. So we try to have everybody make about five calls, usually follow-up calls or, maybe interview prep calls for that day, but sometimes people are actively sourcing and trying to get candidates on the phone. So once the meeting's over, everybody goes, you know, back to their desks and they start sourcing candidates by using, you know, various sourcing methods, job boards, LinkedIn recruiter. We have our own internal applicant tracking system that has over 8.3 million records in it right now presently, which grows by about 25,000 a week. So they look there, they source the candidates. Then they, once they find the candidates, they, they qualify them through, you know, about anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes or a half an hour, depending on what the conversation takes. And then once that candidate's qualified, they get that resume formatted by our admin team. And then once that's formatted, it's sent over to the account manager or the delivery manager, depending on the size of the account. And then uh, that's sent over to the client for consideration. And then um, whenever a can- whenever there's feedback on a candidate as far as uh, interest or more, maybe they want more information or an interview request, that's sent back to the recruiter from the account manager or the delivery manager. And then that candidate is then prepared for the interview. 
and then they the interview scheduled based on their previous availability or if their availability has changed since the time of submittal. And then the interview is conducted, and then if there's a second round, they're prepped for that round. And then if or if it's a higher off of a first round, you know, the offer is made to us. We extend the offer to the candidate. We lock them up, and then we go through and we do the background check, the compliance, the onboarding, things like that. So that's the typical life cycle of, a, of what we do on a daily basis. Now, that schedule can change depending on need. If you're working on a job and then a real hot job comes out, you know, people usually shift focus based on their success on you know, delivering to the job they've been working on up to that point, or there could be someone could quit or get fired, or there could be an interview that blows up, or anything like that. So there, it's more of it's a proactive approach to a reactive world, is what I call it. So, mm-hmm. so they they you know they have their time schedule, they have their time blocking, they have what they're supposed to be doing. But you know, you know, in recruiting, anything can kind of change that during the course of an hour, you know, or a day. So, but that's pretty much what a typical day is: is just you know, getting job requirements, working with candidates, working with clients. Um, and then just delivering the best talent we could find. And then a large part of my day being in management is that I am managing that process, managing those recruiters, working with clients, working with uh, you know, higher office executives in this company, um, things like that. So I'm basically managing and making sure that process is adhered to properly. So, but yeah, typical recruiter's day is pretty much that. Okay. Yeah. That sounds very familiar. So yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it's changed much now. No, as it far hasn't. as, yeah, I mean, in my, in my experience, I think the technology is mainly the biggest thing that yes. has changed yes. because, um, you know, technology is just ever changing. So even, even the technology we had 10 years ago, is nothing compared to the technology. No. I mean, you said something like 8.4 million yeah. candidates in your database. I mean, that's, I, yeah, we were not working with those kind of numbers no. back in the day. So. Been, I, I started in 2007. <laughs> I was working on paper. I was still getting faxes. I still had, when I first started, they gave me a binder with some separators in it. It was like .NET or application development database, project management, all this stuff. And then I had to, that was my hot list. It was a manual hot list. So now it's all digitized, but we have we have a very cutting edge ATS that we developed in house. It's fantastic, and um, it's it's really a big game changer for us. That's why we're the you know 14th largest agency in the country. So it it that kind of helps us succeed and kind of you know beat our competition. But um, like my boss always says, you could fall asleep for 20 years and come back to life, and then the recruiting process pretty much hasn't changed as the technology has. So you have AI now, you have bots, you have all kinds of stuff. There's texting services, there's mass emailing services, all kinds of stuff that weren't around when I started that really kind of give a leg up to the recruiter if, if the organization can, you know, subscribes to that. Right. And it sounds almost like the technology on your side as a recruiter, because that's what you do full time yep. every day, all day. It, it actually helps you. It doesn't hinder you. It actually helps you because you can reach more people. Yes. You can fill more job recs, all that good stuff. So yep. um, for a small business though, um, what would you, how many small businesses do you actually work with? As far as from the client base or as far as competition? As far as uh, client base? Uh, quite a few, actually. We call those retail. Okay. We call those okay. retail or mid-market. So where we have enterprise accounts, which uh, are the entire company, and they're very large. Where they have an, you know, Are you familiar with MSP and VMS? Um, if you don't mind explaining it, that would be very helpful. Sure, not a problem. So a large client, right? Say like a, mm-hmm. like a Bank of America, right? They're, they're a very large client. And they have something called an MSP, stands for Managed Service Provider. And they're a company that sits between... The, the client, so Bank of America in this case, and then all the vendors like Judge and other companies that, that would uh, deliver to them. So they have what's called a VMS, Vendor Management System, and that's an online portal, and that's what manages everything. So it all depends on the nature of the contract we have between the clients. Some are high-touch, some are no-touch, some are limited-touch. So it all depends on, on the relationship, but we love mid-market and smaller clients because we're working directly with the trigger pullers. 
you know, we're working directly with the people who are making the decisions, the, the managers, the HR people. You know, I'm not saying we don't like working with large accounts. We do. We love it. That's the, the, the main, you know, fuel of our, of our success. But the smaller right. clients, we get quicker turnaround. And um, when smaller clients come to us, we give them more of a boutique experience because we roll out the red carpet. We treat them just like an enterprise client. We don't say, oh, you only have a million dollars in spend. We, we don't care. If your money's green and, and it spends and, and the check's going to clear, we'll work with you as long as we can fill the job. There are certain jobs we don't touch for insurance reasons and things like that because it, the, the workers' comp is, is too large. But um, mm-hmm. we can find a solution for any client. And if a client comes to us and we can't fill it, we suggest, we send them off to a, a, a competitor or someone who we know can fill them because we want to just you know do right by the industry. But um, the the smaller clients, um, they come to us with the same kind of pain. It's usually very similar. It's you know we don't have the resources that can spend the time to pour through the job boards and find candidates. We don't have the resources to vet those candidates to get the resumes up to us to you know really do the legwork that we do. We you know we don't have the money or the time to run the background check process or to to vet them or to pay, you know run a payroll system or things. So that's where we come in. So we work we offer that to everybody regardless of size. Um, it just has to make sure that you know that there it's a client that's going to be you know good for our business. Okay, absolutely. Well, so let's let's talk a little bit. As a recruiter, we kind of went through your day. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your struggles. What are some of the issues that you see, mainly with small businesses, just because that's the audience? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the issues that and struggles that you have as a recruiter with the smaller businesses? In no specific order, um, some of the struggles we have are they get sticker shock sometimes when a larger company has a larger revenue base and they can they can handle that from because there are two models that we do or three really the first one is what we call staff all or contingent staffing which is where it's hourly based so if i submit you at a certain rate i pay the you know i i pay i fill the client at rate x i pay the candidate at rate y we make the difference um but given the fact that a lot of these companies have budget for this a smaller company may not so a smaller company may come to us with a direct hire need to where mm-hmm. it's not the contingent or the hourly it's a salary where they they offer a salary we then pay a fee or excuse me, they then pay us a fee. And then the the one thing I do like about smaller companies is the turnaround is good. The, the, we get better contact. But again, it's just that they're they're not used to that model. They're not used to that yeah. fee model. They're not used to the hourly model. So sometimes the they want to pay us what they're paying the candidate, and that doesn't work for us because we have you know we have overhead. So that that's right. probably the biggest struggle. Um, another struggle would be sometimes they they don't understand the process. Like I'll give you an example. My my aunt owns a a, a chain of small retail stores. And mm-hmm. she came to me and said, Mike, I, I just lost one of my assistant managers. Um, can you help me? With, can you help me? And she said, what should I pay? I told her the rate. She said, really? She, she, well, she had someone who worked for, for 18 years who was making a certain amount. And she, she, she wasn't, she, she hadn't, you know, adapted with the times as far as finance. So some of these smaller companies, they're not connect, they're not in tune with market rates. So when we educate them, um, we do our best. I mean, we don't gouge anybody, but we let them know, like, this is the market rate. And, this, and then we give them a low markup to kind of get their business and to kind of help ease them into the process. But even mm-hmm. with that, a lot of times they get they get scared off by the price because they don't they don't view staffing as as large of a necessity as a larger corporation does. It has uh, you know 100 to 500 needs at a time. You know mm-hmm. they're backfilling someone who got a better job or was a college grad or is on maternity leave or things like that. So they want to keep somebody into that current rate. But that person's been there for so many years that rate is no longer current. So that that's probably the biggest thing is is, kind of, is finding that financial um, understanding where we're both on equal footing. And, and I could definitely see that as a problem. <laughs> um, yeah. I remember that being an issue in, in my personal experience as well. And one of the things I do teach employers is that 
you have to be prepared before they even put out a job posting. They have to know how much money they have to be able to spend and invest in an employee. But it's also willingness to spend too. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, looking at the resources, what money is coming in, how much cash do you have on hand? How long can, you know, can you, I I always suggest to have at least six months of salary um, for one employee, per one employee, um, whether that's in contracts coming in, you know, but just to keep them prepared that way they've got, yeah. What are you going to get for a hundred thousand dollars a year? I mean, because some people don't, like some people don't understand the hourly model. Some people don't understand. Mm-hmm. That. Some people are. It depends on who you're talking to. But what we do is to for those clients, we have a lot of um, market intelligence tools at our disposal, a lot of data analytics and business intelligence that we employ that we pay for, and and that helps us say, they look, you know, here's this. Like I just had to run one for a company, a newer client of ours. They sent us a couple of requirements, and everybody we spoke to, like we we never go back and say that's too low. We always try to yeah. find people within their within their uh, financial uh, scope. But mm-hmm. when we make about, you know, 30, 50 phone calls and everybody's at that higher rate, we go back and say, look, here's what we're finding in the market. And then we follow that up with, well, here's the availability. Here's how many job orders we found that are in this specific discipline that are out there on multiple job boards. Here are many people that have updated the resume within a month to, you know, two weeks to a month. And here's the availability of talent. And then here's the mean. We, we do mid, mean, and max. So here's the min that we found gotcha. in this market. We, we do it by geography. So we educate them. And some of them say, Oh, wow, I didn't know that. And then they, you know, say, okay, well, we'll offer a little more or they, they will say, I'm sorry, we can't do it. And then they usually come back to us a few months later and say, Hey, okay, we, we realize we can't find anybody at this rate. So, I mean, our rates are all industry standard. I mean, we don't, like I said, we don't do anything, What we provide and where we win is that we have a very, very large database of talent. We have a lot of connections. We've been around for 52 years. So, you know, oh, I mean, wow. when, yeah. people hear, when people hear a judge in, in most markets, you know, we have 37 offices worldwide. When they hear our name, they, they usually know who we are. Plus, we have a lot of buying power with that because, you know, they know us. They've worked with us. They've, they've used us for, for years. But the, the mm-hmm. newer ones, just more of an education. So sometimes the life cycle is a little longer getting a new client under the belt. We call them logo. So getting a new logo under our umbrella because it's just, you know, we have to just educate them on what the real market is. So because, you know, sometimes it's just a, a family owned business where, you know, the the the, the founder owner is retiring or maybe they're one of their children took over or maybe someone they entrusted the company to. And that person doesn't have much experience outside of their industry. You know, mm-hmm. you know like my father is an electrician. So, you know, he relies on me a lot of times to do some market data for him. I just do it on my own. I just don't use any of our tools, but I do it on my own. And I say, right. look, dad, here's this, here's that. So he's sometimes misaligned with what an hourly rate for an electrician is, you know, so he doesn't yeah. know. So he's working off, you know, 15 year old data. So right. especially now in a candidate driven market, candidates have options. So you'll have someone turn down a really good offer because they have two or three other offers. So you have people who want to work in remote or, they, they, you know, the, the candidate right now has a lot of buying power. So mm-hmm. with that, that always does shift. It is cyclical. So, you know, within, I'm not sure when, but eventually it will change to where there are less jobs available and more candidates available. So the candidates tend to take a lower rate. But that's where, that's what some of these candidates or the, some of these companies, they may be stuck in the past when it comes to, you know, salary and things like that. Yeah. And, and I do think the sticker shock, you know, as you were saying, people don't realize when they do use a recruiter, when they, when they decide to use a recruiter that you're paying not only for that person's expertise, but you're also paying for all that technology, their time, their effort, just like you would an employee. So it's like, well, Well I mean, you're kind of, yeah, you're, you're really not just paying X amount of dollars, you know, you're saving money because you're not having to buy your own ATS or right. uh, applicant tracking system Background or, tax or job exactly. subscriptions or, yeah. so, or the, or the yeah, money you got to pay for your it all up. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly Ex what we do. Exactly. We, mm -hmm. we, we, we kind of present it to them in a full scope. It's like, here's what, it's, here's what it would have cost you if you did it on your own. Here's what's going to cost you if you go with us. And there's always guarantees. Right. You know, we say, like, there's a 30, 60, or 90-day guarantee based on if, this, if it's direct hire. You know, the person doesn't okay. work out, you know, that money will sit in escrow, and then we'll find you somebody else for the same rate. We're not going to charge you double. Right. So that, that's one of the things that we offer as well. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like a good deal. So, so we've talked a little bit about, well, uh, the, the idea of how much it actually costs to employ a mm -hmm. recruiter. So when you get a client, when yeah. you have an employer that maybe doesn't do a lot of hiring mm -hmm. or maybe hasn't hired before, what are some of the common mistakes that you see those employers make when they're talking with you or possibly when that you've placed somebody and, yeah. You know, they come back, maybe do a lot of back and forth. But what are some of the common mistakes that happen? Um, in no particular order, um, they try to find mm -hmm. the perfect fit or they try to replace someone. They try to do an apples to apples comparison. Like we lost Joe, so we need to find an, a, a carbon copy of Joe, you know, things yeah. like that. So you can't really think of it like that. Um, they, they tend to take a while if they're, if they're, you know, hemming and hawing or they may leverage other contacts they have or other resources they have. And then the candidate's gone. Um, or they have that kind of small, that small company mentality where they may, you know, we want somebody from, you know, a large engineering firm. I'm like, well, you only have mm -hmm. five employees. Why would you want someone from a large engineering firm? So, yeah. you, know, the, the, you know, things like that. So sometimes they're just misaligned with what they need. And then that's where we step in and say, we really break it down. And, say, you know, we, myself or another recruiting lead will be on the call with the sales team and kind of sales engineer will say, what exactly do you need? What are you trying to accomplish here? So we look at their current state. We look at their future state. We look at, you know, what they have, what they want, and then we look at what they're willing to spend or, you know, and then we kind of reverse it back and say, okay, well, for this, we can, we'll find you this or, you know, and then sometimes they're unrealistic when it comes to um, speed to market. Like they'll send us something and a week later, we'll say, well, where's our people? We'll say, well, this is a more of a delicate search or sometimes it's a confidential search where they're replacing someone. So we're mm -hmm. kind of hamstrung with where we can advertise. So it's things like that. They, it's just, they don't, a lot of them don't understand the staffing, the agency staffing model. Yeah. So that's where we come in. We, we educate them on what that is. So. Um, other mistakes that I've seen made are um, uh, the offerings that they have. They, they, mm -hmm. don't, they don't offer a lot of benefits, you know, no matching 401. Again, some of them are limited by their, their financial, you know, uh, gains, but some, yeah. you know, some of the benefits aren't great. Or some, some of them, just, they're just not willing to kind of, um, again, I'm not trying to turn a small company into a large company, but some of them want to act like large companies and that they can't offer it. Um, some, mm -hmm. of them, some of them will... Uh, not tell us if they've already spoke with candidates. Whereas if we have a port, like a larger company, if we have a portal, we can see who was submitted and who was rejected. We don't have that luxury with us working with a smaller company. So sometimes okay. they won't, they, like they won't tell us or they'll forget to tell us. Or um, one time we had somebody who was a, a client and they, um, some, one of their people was on LinkedIn, just a, a coworker or just an employee rather. And they found somebody and they had contacted that person. Well, neither the candidate nor the client told us that they were already in talks with that person. And the, someone in that company, who they didn't speak to each other internally, they submitted that candidate. They, someone else interviewed that candidate, made an offer, and then they said, oh, we want to offer somebody. And they said, well, we're not going to pay it because we already found this person. Oh, no. Well, yeah. the, the candidate's very reluctant <laughs> to tell you because the candidate wants to give, every, give themselves every chance they have. But, exactly. But even despite our multiple inquiries, but the client never told us because it was it, – okay, I'll, I'll boil it down to multiple points of contact. Mm -hmm. Some of these companies have multiple points of contact. And it's, it doesn't bode well for us or any agency because then there's some confusion and disparity. And then we don't know who's talking to who until the last minute. And then we spend all that time and then we lose that money. Um, some of them yeah. take a while to sign the contract. And then because the, that delays, you know, availability of talent as well. It delays our life cycle. 
I've seen that. Um, a lot of uh, bartering back and forth on price. Um, mm -hmm. Again, when they're when they're trying to stay below market value. Um, that's about it off the top of my head. Okay. Now, what about when an employer, because I this used to be a huge common issue for me, whether it was professional or it was industrial mm -hmm. um, or, you know, light industrial, you know, whatever, non-professional, I guess. Um, but a lot of people would just say something like, I need somebody for this position. And so I would, I would inquire, I'd try to dig. And they would give me really vague answers on what they needed. Yeah. And they'd send me over a job description that was probably, you know, 15 years old yeah. from, from the time they mistake. gave it to me. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I'd send them people based on what I had. And every time I would send them somebody, oh, we didn't like this. Send us somebody with more of this. And yeah. so I would. And then they'd say, well, maybe a little bit more of that, though, too. And it's like you were going back and forth. Yeah, I need you to put it in the job description. I need coordinates. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. It's like, well, you know, as great a recruiters as you can be, you can't read minds. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah that's another thing. In incomplete job descriptions. Um, if they post, like sometimes they'll post things online themselves and they won't tell us. Mm -hmm. um, and then again, it, you come into that double candidate scenario, uh, submittal scenario. But yeah, definitely incomplete job descriptions and changing uh, the course mid scope is definitely yeah. another, another problem I see. Because we, we really do a lot. We spend a lot of time with them up front, really digging in and finding out uh, from a requirement qualification standpoint, what exactly do they need? And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if they change it, fine, because things change. They may have found a candidate who had some parallel experience. They'll say, well, now we'll accept this or we'll accept that. But sometimes the rigidity of that is is what kind of throws us for a loop. And it, it's, you know, if we have to reboot or reload the entire search, that's very frustrating because we it, it's, yeah. not just, it's not just one job we're searching for. We're searching for many jobs across, you know, 13, 1400 clients at a time depending on the, you know, the company, the day, the day or the month. So, but yeah, that's definitely a, a big kind of pain point for us is when we don't have, we don't have a, like a direct target on a map. It was kind of just all over the place, you know? Right. They figure you understand what they're looking for yeah. when you no, have no idea what they're looking for. Yeah. yeah we're not in their head. Yeah. yeah. yeah 100%. <laughs> yes. It is so funny to hear you talking because it really is true what your boss said that, you know, recruiting hasn't changed. It's just a technology. That's right. That's it. That's I right. mean, it really, I mean, it's bringing back so many stories for me in my head. Yeah, so. I bet. Very many. Okay. So let's talk about some examples. So we talked about some of the frustrations, yes. but let's talk about some good examples and you don't have to reveal clients or mm -hmm. client names or anything, yep. but what are some good examples of employer branding that you have seen personally with clients, whether it be videos or, um, you know, any kind of, uh, events that they might have. Um, can you share some good examples sure. and some good ideas for the small employers that might be listening today? Sure. So, um, it's definitely never a bad idea to get yourself involved in a local job fairs. Um, okay. the ones that are out there, that's how you can collect good talent, getting involved with colleges I've seen. Um, cause it not, I mean, I'm, I'm saying things that if the listener is listening to this, they would think, why is he saying that that's going to take money out of his pocket? Cause if they, they're using job fairs and, and things like that, they don't need an agency. Well, that's not true. It, that helps them kind of get aligned with what's out there in the market. And that, right. help, that helps them kind of understand what people are looking for financially. So the, the chances of them going to a job fair and hitting a home run 100% is, is not. It, you know, th that just gets them out there and gets their name out there. Um, it's hard. It's very hard to keep a good reputation because you can have one employee that you let go for valid reasons and then they get upset and then they trash you on glass door or they try, you know, cause mm -hmm. bad, bad news travels more quickly. It, it's, I've seen, I've seen a few clients in the past where they've responded to negative comments like that. And they try to, it's almost like issuing an apology. Um, just let it go because anything out there, it's just, it's, it's all hearsay. 
It's just someone's opinion. It's one person's opinion. You know, it's yeah. not that, that you, your company shouldn't live and die by that reputation, by that one review. It's kind of like if you're a restaurant owner and accidentally your pasta is not perfectly al dente and someone has a bad day and they write a, rep- a review, that's not going to stop me from going to the restaurant, you know? So the good companies detect definitely they have more good reviews than bad. And you can see that. Um, and it's the ones they don't respond to. Um, also, um, the, what I've seen really good clients do is they have a digital presence. They have, they're mm-hmm. on social media. They're talking about what the perks are to live, to be at their company. Um, some of these companies, you know, now the whole world wants to work from home. Um, God forbid you tell somebody they have to work five days in the office. It's like telling them, you know, the world's ending. Um, but some of these, <laughs> some of these clients that are flexible on that, cause you know, certain jobs, you don't need to be at the office five days a week. You know, you know, uh, you know, the best companies I've seen small or large recognize that people have lives and they try to create a good work life balance. Um, I mentioned 401k earlier and things like that. If you can't match for a 401k, no big deal. If you don't have a 401k, also no big deal. But what are you going to offer that candidate besides their salary? And when that's, mm-hmm. when that's clear and you can, and you have, you know, employee, t- another good practice is employee testimonials from current and former employees, you know, have them on your website or have them, you know, have something like an about us section or something you put on LinkedIn. A large LinkedIn presence is always good. Um, you know, publicizing yourself, uh, focusing on the good. Um, and then identifying where you need to work on. I mean, you know, taking a look at, you know, your feedback that you got from current employees, former employees, you know, the market, anything, you know, um, if you want to hire a company to do, you know, search engine optimization or search engine marketing to find out who your best, uh, your best uh, target audience is going to be and having a reputable name. I mean, some of these clients are, are just starting out. So they're trying to, you know, drive their stake in the ground and make a name for themselves. And it's, you know, do you want to have, do you want to, uh, you know, let your employees in on that? You want to help your employees brand yourself. You know, when you give power to the employees and you make them feel like they're part of the team, they're not just some, you know, cog in the machine, that, that goes a long way. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, th- those are the soft things, the, the soft skills and the, and the soft approach that I see a lot of companies don't do where they just get down to business. Okay, we need a guy, got a guy, you know, or we need a girl, got a girl. So it's the, where they, where it's just, I'm not saying you have to have a party every day at the office, but I mean, if it's, if it's companies that kind of incorporate their, com- their employees into their culture and help them drive the growth of the company, almost make them stakeholders, for lack of a better term. That's what I've seen is the best. Um, and there's ways to go about promoting that, you know, like, you know, employee appreciation or, um, you know, getting yourself out. To, like, we, we're very involved in Light the Night, which is a leukemia and lymphoma society, and it's all over the country. So we've been touched by that negatively, unfortunately, with some of our, our employees and some of our employees' family members. So we are very public about that because we don't do it to look for a pat on the back. It's, we do that to give back to our community. So you know, companies that really are involved in their community and they know who they're, who they're hiring, um, that, that goes a real long way. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. It's, it's so true when employees feel more than just a job at a company, they're going to give more and they're obviously going to have a more positive experience and they're going to want to talk about it. That's hard to convey though. That's hard to convey uh, on, just on paper. It's something two dimensional. So it's, you know, and you want to put your best foot forward when you're the interviewer or, you know, whatever. So, you know, whenever you're doing that, you want to make sure that, you know, when someone comes in, you want to make them feel like they're at home already. You know, it's, you know, obviously you have to hire the right talent, but, you know, you want to, you don't want to be that company who's known for unintentional bias or only hiring a certain kind of person or, you know, you want to open up to whomever who's based on the skill. I mean, obviously if the, the person is the best fit, you're going to hire the best fit, but, you know, you want to be able to kind of reach out to everybody. You know, you, you want to make sure that people feel incorporated and, you know, we do, we do welcome gift baskets and packets and things like that for our new employees. And, you know, we have a diversity and inclusion council and, you know, we have employee resource groups and 
we do all kinds of, and we're a larger company with, you know, larger, more capital. But even if you're a small mm-hmm. company, there's five employees, you can go out for lunch or take out to happy hour. Just, you know, make them feel like they're part of the, the, the success of the company, not just great job, do better. No one cares. Work yeah, exactly. Here's your paycheck. See you next yeah, tomorrow. See, you, know? yeah, see you tomorrow. Make sure you keep earning that paycheck. But, it, but <laughs> yeah. And it, it depends. It depends on the leadership of the company. It also depends on the industry. Some industries are just a natural grind. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's hard to, you know, in a warehouse setting or a light industrial setting, it's hard to do that because they're on a certain schedule or they have certain, you know, they have to get certain amount of widgets produced by X amount of time. But there's mm-hmm. always ways we can get creative and really appreciate your employees, regardless of their station. It doesn't matter if you're making $10 an hour and doing data entry, or you're making $3 million a year running the company. Everybody should be on equal footing, respectively. That is very true. I could not agree with you more. So that that's a really good point. Now, what about um, when you're talking with candidates, mm-hmm. uh, when you're reaching out to them and doing phone calls or you're hearing back from them, what are some of the concerns that they are, are bringing up to you? Um, are there? Yeah. So when you, yeah. So candidates, when, when they're talking with you, what are some concerns that they have that they're bringing up to you that they say, please you know, I've already dealt with X, Y, Z, please don't, you know, do that. Or, you know what I mean? They, they have these certain, um, I know a lot of job candidates. I I have done a lot of research on, on LinkedIn, trying to see their concerns, trying to express that through this podcast and other venues, uh, to employers so that they're not making those mistakes. But so what are some issues that job seekers and candidates are running into when they are, you know, when you're talking with them? The what one, are some of their frustrations? We've talked about yours, but what are, yeah. what are some of theirs? Some of the frustrations we hear, um, again, in no specific order, um, they don't want to be contacted by multiple people within the same company for multiple jobs. There should be one recruiter, one candidate relationship. We call, right. that, the, we call that the candidate experience or the candidate journey. Mm-hmm. And we, we spend a lot of time internally improving that because it's directly based on feedback. Um, a lot of candidates feel that once they get to the offer stage and they're now a, a contractor and they're working for us, or an employee rather, um, they feel like they're not being contacted enough. Who's my recruiter? Is my recruiter still with the company? How do I do this? How do I enter my time? How do I get my pay stubs? They feel disconnected. They feel like a number. Some mm-hmm. people, you'll go online and you'll see their resume where it'll just say, if you're a recruiter, do not contact me. Well, my, my follow-up question is, why is your resume on a job board? You know what I mean? So right. like, why are you out there? It's like leaving your door open. Don't come in. You left the door open. So I'm going to naturally exactly. come in. No um, soliciting except for yeah, X, Y, Z. Exactly. It's like, or, or some people, really? Yeah, you'll send someone an email and then they have an automatic reply on there where it's, I'm this, I'm that. So um, I understand wow. that because there are a lot of people in the industry that have come and gone and that are still here currently that just don't follow good practices. It's more mm-hmm. of a, they, they view it more as a transaction where it ultimately, if you boil it down to it's you know, nuts and bolts, it is transactional because we're here to make money and to help people make money for themselves and help yeah. our clients be profitable. But I mean, there are certain things we have to do. I mean, uh, uh, recruiters, a lot of times will just re- uh, communicate with people over LinkedIn messenger, or they'll do through emails or text messages. You got to get them on the phone. You, you, you yeah. have to, you have to let them know that you're a person. We do a lot of AI outreach We're we're launching a thing right now. It's a, it's something that helps with AI. Um, and it's, it's actually proven to be very successful. Um, but at the other end of that is a person, the AI just yeah. starts the conversation. Then it kicks you over to a recruiter and that recruiter's live. So, um, some people say, you know, oh, you're not, uh, the one thing I hear a lot is you're not, uh, considerate of my time. Well, I've mm-hmm. asked you four or five times, what's the best time to, you know, reach out to you. Yeah. You told me you're interested, <laughs> but you're not, you know, so it's some of these candidates have just been inundated with call after call after call after call. And, Given the fact that it's a national landscape in recruiting, you know, if I call with my area code and I'm calling someone across the country, they're probably going to think I'm a telemarketer. 
So right. we have ways to get around that, you know, and, and there, but we want to drive people to the phone. There are, yeah. you know, there are alternate ways. There are there's texting. We use a texting service. We use a mass emailing service. We use all these things, but it's all designed to get someone on the phone. Call is, you know, mm-hmm. call is king, right? So, but the, the another more pain I hear from candidates is that, you know, I, I was submitted to a client. And I never heard anything hmm. or, or I submitted, you know, I, you, you told me I was submitted. You told me I was shortlisted and then I didn't hear anything in two months. Well, you know, that's the recruiter's fault. The recruiter should then pick up the phone and say, look, I haven't heard anything, but here are three other jobs that you're a fit for. They're going to submit you to for a you know, yeah. cost submitting. So it's just, I, I feel their pain because not every, not every recruiter is perfect, myself included. And it's just, you know, we, we try to do everything we can, but sometimes you have to jump into that reactive mode and things happen. So, but yeah, I mean, I, a lot of the, a lot of the feedback we get from candidates as far as their pain goes is very valid. And, and we, we take those and we address it. We do, we have NPS surveys. I'm not sure you're familiar with NPS. You know what that is? No, I'm not. No. Answer net promoter score. Net meaning the net <laughs> okay. amount of promoter scores that we get. So we, we're constantly doing that, where we're doing for uh, sending this out to people who are working for us or working with us rather, and then also people who uh, have graduated or who are no longer there, or like a post assignment kind of thing. So we always want to get okay. better. So we take that, but there, there, you know, there are companies out there that just just sling. They just call. They just there's really no one on the other end of the line. And another thing is, we well, told me it was going to be fifty dollars an hour, but now it's forty five. You know, mm-hmm. we, we do our absolute best, like I talked about earlier, about getting fair market value from our clients. And we give our candidates as much as we can because we want to profit share with them, too. You know, we, yeah. we do a lot of volume based stuff. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're a nonprofit organization. That'd <laughs> be a bold. Right. Lie. But we no, have, yeah, you're in business just like 99 percent of the world is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, and, and high tide all boats rise. Right. So, you know, if, yeah. if we're making money, you're making money and vice versa. So. Um, mm-hmm. we, we do our best to try to, you know, but the, sometimes the client comes back and says, well, we, we changed our budget. And there's nothing we can do about that, you know. So yeah. you have to really address each issue within reason. And we, we try to give a we, – we do our absolute best to give a unique experience to every candidate and make sure that they, they usually only have one um, recruiter or one point of contact. But sometimes no, there's no perfect system in the world. So sometimes mm-hmm. someone steps on someone else's toes, and that's where I step in, and I, I kind of smooth that over. But our goal is to get the best candidates in front of the best clients for the best job that for as long as possible. And if there's some pain or there's some frustration, we address that. So some people don't like to be called. Some people like, but once we make that initial contact, Hey Mike, don't worry about it. You know, I'll get my hours and I'll do this. I'll do that. I had a contract one time. He was, he worked for me for 14 months. I talked to him twice because that's what he wanted. So, yeah. you know, you have to offer the candidate what they want per, per scenario. So, um, but right. yeah, some, some other, uh, uh, complaints I get are, you know, you're just all, you're just my handler. You're, you're oh. just going to put me in there. Well, that, that's not really the case. I consider myself an agent no. or a partner, you know, because, you know, we, you know, when we vote, when one wins, we all win. So it's you're kind of just dispelling the myth because they're, for, I mean, the recruiting industry, the staffing industry is fairly old. It's about 55, 60 years old. So um, mm-hmm. to my knowledge, maybe a little older, but um, like we mentioned earlier, the, the technology has changed. So there are easier ways for me to get in touch with you. I don't have to wait for you to be at home at six o'clock when you're eating dinner. You know I mean? Right. I can catch you on your cell phone. Right? So it's some people don't like to be contacted. I called somebody one time and they said, I can't talk. I'm in a meeting. So why'd you answer the phone? It's like, yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. Or, or, or someone called me and said, I can't talk. Why did you call me? It's like, so <laughs> that, that, both of those have actually happened. So it's just, you know, we do our best to, to give our candidates and contractors exactly what they need. But sometimes there are gaps in the system and sometimes it happens, but we address those and we fix them. So, I mean, th- I'm sure there are more that I, I'm not remembering, but you know, it's, it depends on the day, depends on the person. Some person may have had a really terrible experience with an old recruiter that worked here or a recruiter from another agency. It's my mm-hmm. job. It's my job to smooth that over and to make them feel better. Same with a client. You know, a client may have had a bad experience, you know. So it's, it's our job to kind of listen to them, really hear their pain, what we call motivation or pain points. And then we, we address them individually. So.
And I think you have to almost enjoy the chaos of recruiting to be able to do it full time. 100%. And so when, you know, you only do it once or twice a year, you just try to, you know, you just want to get through it at that point, you know? So if you've only got one or two, you know, positions throughout a year or even two years, or you're just starting to grow your business, that chaos, I don't think a lot of people see that. They just, they try to go Google things and they try to say, oh, okay, well, I can, I can do this on my own, but then they get 15,000 different conflicting ways to do things, you know? So I think, you know, a lot that's for candidates and for employers on how to do this. So, you know, usually with a recruiter though, at least you do have that one point of contact, whether it's the company or one, one recruiter. And so y'all, I think are kind of like the chaos directors Yes. and you just try to make it easier for both sides. Correct. And so, yeah, exactly. So, um, I'm sure you get to hear mouthfuls from candidates and from employers every day. So God bless you. Cause I'm telling you, I, I remember how stressful that was and it was very difficult. So it's, it's not an easy gig, but boy, when you're called to it, you are good at it. Like, you know, you know how to handle situations. So yep, it can be frustrating, but it can also be very rewarding too. Very so true. So the last question I'm going to ask you uh, is just kind of a, um, a, a kind of catch-all sort mm-hmm. of thing. So how is it that employers, in your ideal situation where you have a client, a brand new client, brand new to, to your, your company, right, using your company to recruit employees, um, how can employers contribute ideally to the recruiting process? How can they how can they contribute to the recruiting process as far as like getting people as far as almost making your job easier? Like oh, what are God. some things that that they could do that would just make your job, the whole process, everything smoother and easier get in the long run? Get, I mean, the, the, get, the, get back to us. The, the, okay. the, the one thing that I that I hear the most is I'm not getting feedback from so and so. I'm not getting feedback from whoever. It's just get back to us. I mean, even if there's nothing. Get back to us. That's why mm-hmm. I like the smaller companies because the smaller companies, um, they, it's a, it's a more intimate connection, you know, it's a more intimate thing. So, um, it's, uh, besides feedback, um, uh, just kind of working with us on the market rate, if it's too low, um, mm-hmm. getting us their availability to interview, uh, so we can match that with the candidates interview uh, availability. So that makes yeah. it a little easier. It kind of streamlines the process. Um, just being open and honest. I mean, we're partners, you know, we're trying to find you the best talent. We're trying to get paid. So it's, you know, probably I would say, Oh, you know what? Here's one. So, um, someone said we want to replace so-and-so mm-hmm. and I said, okay, great. I said, can you send me the resume? Just take the name off. We can't do that. I said, why not? <laughs> I, I, so we, 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 it's confidential. I said, yeah, I'm just, I'm asking you to take the name off. So they said, well, we're not going to do that. So they sent us a job description. The job description changed twice. And then we ended up not being able to fill it because they filled it internally with a referral. I'm like, well, you get, you know, you only gave me a week and a half and you didn't give me the yeah. I needed the job description changed twice. So um, being just realistic is yeah. big. Um, having the money up front ready to go, having an idea of what you want, how it's going to go, um, letting us know your interview process. We can prep the candidate. Um, just having everything organized. I mean, I know things change. That's, that's part of it. But if they continuously change and it's the same people over and over, I'm like, all right, well, you didn't do your homework. Um, but right. communication is the biggest one. And if you right. reject, if you reject the candidate, tell me why. Don't just say so and so is not a fit. I want to know why they're not a fit because then, then I got to go find the right fit. But I can't 
to say, okay, well, you know, you told me this person's not a fit because of X, Y, Z, but you know, I need more than that. Or you just, when you say not a fit, why? Is it duration? Is it tenure? Is it uh, scope? Whatever it is, I, I need to know why. But if they don't give me that, then, you know, or they take two days to get back to me on that, I'm going to move on to another job because, you know, I got mouths to feed over here, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I kind of break it down uh, just to simplify things. I usually say about 75 to 80% of the issues that happen with uh, recruiting the wrong people, turnover, all that bad stuff that employers try to avoid is because of the employer, because they didn't have a clear defined process or they didn't communicate with candidates or, you know, with their, with their contracted recruiters or, you know, whatever. But, you know, 20% is really only on the client or on the, the candidate themselves because yeah. the candidate can only go as far as you know to take them. So, you know, you're literally walking them through step-by-step. Step. Yeah. And so if you don't have your, your stuff together, <laughs> your process, you know, it's all about strategy and, sure. and processes. And so if you don't have that set, even if it changes, if you don't have that set, then how are you going to be able to get somebody from recruiting to, to hired? So my, my biggest platform is always have a strategy, yeah. have a process. 100%. That is your, if you have that, you've got 80% of your problem taken you do. care of. And a lot of these companies you know? don't know that because the recruiting isn't their primary focus or, or staffing isn't their primary focus. It's keeping yeah. their business you know, solvent. So that's where we come in. You know? And if, you, if you're ever if you're a, 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 a client out there listening to this and, and you are going to engage with a staffing agency, do your homework on the agency. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I will never talk negatively about my competition ever um, or ne- I'll never talk negatively about a client. But do your homework. There's a lot of fly-by-nighters yes. out there and a lot, a lot of companies that, you know, will change things on you midstream or, or they, you know, they'll, they'll promise something and deliver something else. And, you know, so, you know, you, you I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, every large staffing agency is the greatest and every small agency is the worst. It's just everybody has their niche, right? So mm-hmm. we're lucky to be in the top 1% of 19,000 staffing agencies in the country. So, yeah. so that comes with a hefty title. Also comes with a lot of overhead. So know who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with a large agency like us, it's probably going to be a little more because we have more overhead. Um, if you're dealing with a smaller agency, you're going to pay less, but you're not going to get as many, you know, amenities. You're not going to, they may not have the ability to do background checks. They might not right. have, they never have the ability to run drugs or to send somebody for a drug screen. They may not have the ability to pay them. Their, their checks may be late, whatever it is, do your mm-hmm. research on that because every agency has its place, but every, or every, you know, staffing entity has its place, but it depends on what you need it for. Sometimes you don't yeah. need a large agency. Sometimes you need a small one. Sometimes, you know, it depends on what you need, but do your homework on that. But right. large, large exactly. agencies like us, where we started small and grew into the, the beats that we are now, we under, we came from nothing. So we, we know what it's like to have that. So we have, we're a very large uh, national uh, international enterprise company, but we have a small company feel. And I'm not just, that's mm-hmm. not just like some, you know, commercial break plug. It, it, re, it really is, you know, that we really act like that. We, every client we have, every candidate we have, we do our best to treat them like family and we do, you know, do our best to give them what they need within reason. Obviously there's certain things that are beyond our control, but um, you know, just know what you're getting. You know, if, if you're going to get somebody who's going to, you talk to somebody and then that person who does the initial intake, if you get handed off to somebody else and you never talk to that person again and you develop a relationship with that person, you really want to work with that company that just kind of handed you off to somebody else? Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I think too, a lot of it has to do with budget, just realistic it budget. It does. And, you know, maybe you do want 
the Neiman Marcus experience, but maybe you can only afford off the rack. (laughs) And that's okay. Exactly. That's okay. We all have to start somewhere. That's right. You know, and And there's no shame in that. There's no shame at all. It's just, you you know, you got to think about it like this. What do I want to get out of this process? What's Mm -hmm. my end result? What's my current state? My current state is I need somebody or I'm whatever. And what's my future state? I want to hit this much in revenue this year. And I can only do that by you know, hiring X amount of people, whatever it is, you have to really sit down with your leadership team, or if it's just you, if it's a very small company, think about what you want to do, where you want to go. You know, am I, am I trying to become, you know, a multi-billion dollar company and I'm just starting out in my parents' basement? You know, I mean, I mean, how many success stories are like that? But every one of those companies had a plan, they had a vision, you know, and that vision is going to be for their business growth, but incorporated into that business growth is hiring and staffing and, and, you know, building out your internal resources. So, Find out how yeah. you want to get there, and then companies like us will help you get there. We just need to, we just need to work with you. So another mistake yeah. I see, just to get back to the last question, is a mistake I see is the rigidity of a client not wanting to work with us. They think we're out there just to get a dollar. We're not. Mm-hmm. We're for profit like they are. We're just trying. You know, we're just working a different kind of industry. So you know, we're there to help you be successful. And, and you know, tell me what you want, and I'll find it for you. But you know, don't don't you know hold your cards close to your vest, and I and I can't see them. You know, I'm your partner. I'm not going to try to steal your trade secrets. I, you know, that's, I want to find you. <laughs> right. That's where my interest ends. You know. So, yes. But that's you have enough on your plate. You don't yeah, need more. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. I don't, I don't need to you know, do, engage in corporate espionage and steal your business. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You know, but I want to help you. I'm here to help you. So you know, that's it. We, we get a lot of calls just randomly. We get emails. We have a, a paperclip campaign where people reach out to us on the internet and they and they, they reach out to us and say, hey, you know, I I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that, and then sometimes they're on a fishing trip. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. so another mistake I see candidates or new companies make is, hey, send me a couple of resumes real quick. I want to take a look at them. And then some companies have gone beyond our back and they violated the contract or they've done it before the contract signed and they take talent from us. We don't like that either. You know, you're going to get a yeah. bad, you're going to get a bad rep. So whether they did it, you know, intentionally or it was accidental, you know, we don't like that. So yeah. it'd be the same as I walked into your, if I walked into your office and stole all your desks, you know what I mean? It's yep. like, you know, you can't work. So it's something like that. So just, just be open and honest and know what you're getting into. You're getting in, you're engaging in a business uh, contract. You're engaging in a business relationship. So, you know, it, that person should be your partner. Yeah. And, you know, we all like free things. I mean, yeah. everybody likes free yeah. stuff, but you know, I always equate it or not equate it, but I always boil it down to integrity. Yes. Is my integrity worth this yes. or is it worth more than the cost of this? Or, yes. you know, and, and I try to instill that in, in all my teachings and, and, and all that, you know, just courses and all that, because, you know, sometimes you have to invest and yes, on a budget, it is cost. That's what you look at, you know, when it comes to recruiting and hiring, it's called a cost on a budget because you have to have a dollar sign for it. You can't just hope for a free candidate to walk in and be the perfect candidate. Wondering if you had any closing comments or promotions that you wanted to talk about. Uh, yes. Use the Judge Group for all of your staffing needs. We are an international company, and we are more than happy to help you, whether you're a candidate looking for your next uh, career or if you're a client looking to bring on more staffing. Um, and we are um, and just – and if you are a client, um, make, like I said, make sure that you are really uh, involved and partnered with your staffing agency. Pick the right staffing agency. Uh, it's kind of like you know buying a car. You, know, you want to find the right car. You don't want to settle. Um, and if you're a candidate, you know, we have a full scope of services for you. And um, the industry is not going anywhere. Um, we've seen some changes and some shifts. But, you know, the one thing is just, you know, don't be you know, greedy on either side. So um, my closing remark would probably be that um, the unfortunate part is that I've seen over the years, I've seen that the staffing industry sometimes gets a bad rap 
based on certain clients or certain candidate bases. And that's just because that person had a bad experience. Um, we're not headhunters. Uh, we're not poachers. Uh, we, we don't walk into a company. Those days are over. Um, we don't walk into a company and just start ripping people out of their desks. We do everything ethically and above board. And if you're working with an agency that's not doing that, you should probably find another agency because it is a business to business relationship. You're a business. We're a business. You're a customer. We're your, you know, we're your agent. We're your source for talent. So, you know, there has to be trust. There has to be an open door policy and there has to be, you know, people that are on the same you know, level playing field. And if we say something to you, you know, and you say something to us, there has to be a good open line of communication. You have to listen to each other. So if you come into the situation with a preconceived notion, be prepared that they, that may change by the end of the conversation because you may, you may not be aligned with what's going on and vice versa. We may, we may not be aligned with what's happening either. So just make sure that you're open and honest. You pick the right agency and uh, you tell them exactly what you want because, you know, we can't find what we don't know. Well, folks, that's it for this episode. I want to give a huge thank you to Mike Press of the Judge Group for joining us today and allowing me to kind of pick his brain and um, it kind of explain how a recruiter's life is and the mindset and the day of really good information today. If you'd like more information about the Judge Group, then I will um, go ahead and leave a link at the bottom or of the show notes here so you can go ahead and check it out. Until next time, y'all, go out and be a hiring hero, the one that you were meant to be.